Hey baddies, welcome to the official start of the Bad Witch Halloween Samhain countdown. Okay, listen, I know it's only August. <laughs> I know most people start on October 1st. I know there's some early birdies out there that start September 1st. In this house, in the house that Bad Witch built, we start on August 1st. Two reasons. Number one, I'm literally so excited about Halloween and Samhain this year, especially with just all the magic that this coven has built around itself. I'm, I'm floored and I think it's going to be the most amazing sound ever and like the things we're going to manifest and the things we're going to bring to light and the intentions we're going to set are going to literally rock this world, which needs it. But also because I've had enough of summer. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> I've had enough. I feel like this is one of those, if you manifest it, it will come things. So if I just convince myself that it's almost time for Halloween and that the leaves are going to start changing and there's going to be that that Christmas and that nip in the air, that it's going to happen. So I need you all to actually join me in that because if I have to sweat, melt, chafe one more day, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> I've had enough of it. And this is also very much in my like fashion blogger brain is the second it becomes August to me, I'm like, oh, is, is that leaf orange? Because let's do this. Like I'm pulling out the coats. I'm pulling out the boots. I'm getting a hot cocoa. I'm getting an apple cider. I don't care. I'm just if you think it, it will come kind of situation. I'm manifesting fall right now. I cannot take one more second of summer. And I know if I start decorating my altar, altar, still can't say it. If I start decorating my altar for Samhain and I pull out my black candles and my orange candles and I get into my harvesty mood and I pull out all of my black crystals and I pull out my bundles that I have specifically for that celebration, I know that it will come. And I'm just so excited for it. You know, it's kind of, even though we've just been through Lucina, my favorite holiday to ever pronounce. And please let me know how you celebrated. Um, a few people share in the Facebook group. But yeah, always just share everything. We all learn and grow from each other so much. And speaking of, seeing everyone, well, not everyone, but seeing everyone that chose to share their altars in the group, absolutely amazing. I cannot believe how talented you all are. Um, people are out here hand carving wands and like hand painting moon boxes. And I'm, I'm just trying not to set myself on fire when I'm smudging. Y'all blow my mind. It's, you're just the most amazing people at Amazing Witches and Amazing Coven. So thank you so much to everyone that shared your, your altar. I know <laughs> your altar. I can't do it. I can't say it still. You think after a whole episode of saying it, I would have nailed it at some point. No, no, no. It actually got worse. But Thank you so much for sharing that because it is an intimate space and you are opening yourself up to intentions and vibrations. But you know, it's such a loving space in there. I I don't think anyone would ever try to cause anyone any harm. And if they do, let your witch mama know and I will take care of it. But so far, so good. So yeah, thank you so much for sharing your altars. Y'all are so talented and diverse. And the I just love seeing everyone's personality through that, seeing the crystals that you're bound to and seeing the gods and the goddesses and the spirits and the angels that you work with and you have represented the wands that you have and why this particular material was so important to you and the candles that you use and the colors you're focusing on right now and on and on and on. There are a lot of moons out there. Shout out. I shared mine. I didn't show my whole altar because to be honest, it's kind of in shambles right now because I am switching in the whole Samhain Halloween vibe, but um, I shared my moon. I love that so many people had a little homage to the moon themselves. That's something that I've been trying to work my way up to is doing like our big moon episode. <laughs> I'm very intimidated by the moon. Like she is my mom. She is my aunt. She is my sister. She controls me pretty much. And so I'm kind of intimidated about talking about her. But it's something that we need to talk about because, you know, she kind of runs the show around here. <laughs> With those witches, like our connection to the moon is one of the first things that we kind of establish. We're all 
quote unquote, look at the moon people, even when we're kids, well, especially when we're kids, don't you just remember there's two things you do in the daytime, you play the cloud game, you're just pulling out all kind of fantastical creatures and can do it for hours. Like it's an endless, I mean, to this day, I'll be driving, which isn't probably safe, but especially if I'm on a long drive, I will play the moon game with myself. Like there's no one in the car with me to be like, oh yeah, I see it. I'm like, ooh, a dragon, ooh, a dinosaur, ooh, a lot. It's endlessly amusing and it just kind of sparks something in us to use that kind of creativity. And it's another one of our connections to nature. So, you know, in the daytime, you're playing the moon game and at night you're one of those, oh, look at the moon kids or people. So she's so important to us. And I really think it's important to talk about I'm just a little nervous, honestly, but coming soon, we will definitely be covering the moon because clearly what I saw on everyone's altar is that she is present. And of course, of course she is, but yeah, thank you for sharing that. And uh, if you want to share from your Lucina celebration, it's never too late because you know, our next celebration is until Samhain anyway, even though we're counting down. So if you have pictures or spells or rituals or anything you'd like to post to the group, that's the Facebook group, by the way, did I mention that? Um, just search Bad Witch or the link is down below and come and join us. The answer, I'll say it at the beginning of the episode this week, <laughs> the answer to the question is the craft. I was about to say the coven. What the hell is that? <laughs> Maybe that's the movie I should write when I find some time. <laughs> the movie's the coven. Is the coven a movie? Oh, I think I was trying to say the covenant maybe. Okay. The answer is the craft, but I will also accept the covenant and I will accept blubber. And someone also wrote in blubber. Um, like a week or so ago, and I truly laughed so hard that I was in physical pain. <laughs> it was such a great answer. So um, yeah, that's the answer. Come join the Facebook group. Share your altars. That that can be an ongoing thing. I know it's homework, quote unquote, but it doesn't have to be a one-time thing. You know, just like our meditation that we're trying, <laughs> fingers crossed, we're dipping into every week and learning our new crystals and our new materials that we're working with all the time. It's not like, okay, we do this this week and then done. I did it. Never <laughs> doing it again. You know, in school, there is a lot. I, I feel, listen, pro school podcast, love teachers, bless them. They just, oh my gosh, deal with so much. Um, but there was a lot of times, especially in subjects where I was like, I'm never going to use this, that I was like, okay, let me just get through doing this homework. Let me turn it in. I will completely shove it out of my brain immediately and replace it with an episode of Daria or something. <laughs> but this homework is to be built upon. And I'm not saying there's going to be a final. I'm not going to say there's any midterms or you have to write a paper, but it's just great because it enhances your own practice. So don't think of it as like, okay, cool. I did my homework this week. Done. Let's keep it ongoing. And also, cause some of you are coming into the podcast two years from now, you're hearing this for the first time. It's 2021. We're all doing our best. Some of us still aren't meditating, but you know what? We have all the intentions in the world to do it. So yeah, homework is an ongoing thing. Don't feel shy to steal, ooh, steal, still, still share your altar with all of us because we would absolutely love to see it. It's a wonderful way to, for us to all get to know each other and, um, you know, just pop in and say hello. That would be amazing introduction post if you're hearing this, you know, months and years later. So yeah, thank you again for that. Come in the Bad Witch Facebook group. It's so cool in there. If you have Facebook, no pressure at all, obviously. Don't, gosh, don't just sign up for Facebook for no reason. I'm locked in because I've been there for so long and my career is in social media. And the Facebook group, which is the thing I wish I could just go directly to somehow <laughs> and shut out everything else. Um, because, you know, Facebook's a little bit of the wild west, so no pressure if you don't have it. But if you do, we would love for you to come join us. Come check out everyone's altars. Come share your own. Come share your Lucina celebration. Come get hype with us for Samhain because the countdown is on. 
Okay, babies. So I wanted to talk about, wait, hi, welcome to Bad Witch Podcast, <laughs> the podcast where we are going to get our witch shit together once all at a time, as evidenced by me forgetting to do the intro. Hi, I'm a bad witch. This is what it's all about. <laughs> okay. So I wanted to talk about this article or interview rather that um, I read. I just came across it yesterday. You know, things are always lining up. When it's time to record, things just start falling into my lap, as it does for us witches. But Angelina Jolie, Angelina Jolie, 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 Jolene, <laughs> love that song. Um, she did an interview or kind of wrote an essay for Elle magazine, I believe, in promotion for Maleficent 2. And she talked so much about witchcraft and wicked women. And it was really amazing. So I wanted to talk about that at the top. And I will share the link down below for sure so you can read the whole thing. This is going to be one of those episodes where I just read and read and read to you. Don't worry. <laughs> Unless you find my like intensely fast and giggly voice soothing, then tell me. And I will read whole things to you if that's what you like. But yeah, I wanted to talk about it because Maleficent... <sighs> I feel like I shouldn't admit this, but Maleficent is probably my favorite Disney character. <laughs> is that bad? Listen, when we're witches and you know that you're magical and you know that you're special as a kid, you just kind of reach out to and try to identify with whatever feels and looks like you. And you know she's evil, okay? And we've had this whole discussion in the Facebook group this week about should me, should I, Mickey, um, watch Sabrina, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina? My hesitation that I shared with everyone is that I have heard that a lot of it, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, because this is just what I've heard from other people, but it focuses on the witch, devil, consort, Satan worship of it all. And the last thing I want is that kind of representation for witches in 2018, 2019, 2020, because I believe the show is coming back. So eh, it's like, a little propaganda-ish to me, if that is indeed what it is. And of course, I would have to watch it myself and actually make my own determinations about what it is representing. And if it is something that's really harmful, or if it's something that's more camp, or if it's something that's more, you know, just kind of more irreverent and silly. But hearing that was the thing that made me be like, eh, I don't know if I want to watch this, because that's such a nasty, dangerous association. And it's one, again, that's rooted so much in like the patriarchy and misogyny to have this conception of women being indecent and sinners and all, all the stuff we talked about last week, right? Um, so that was my hesitation in watching it. However, all that to say, Maleficent is one of my favorite characters, but I think it's because I never really, like, I got it. Okay, so, okay, here's the thing. <laughs> I'm not coming out as evil, don't worry. But, so number one, I'm seeing this magical being, who, by the way, is like Gorge. I know she's green. But like makeup on point, tall, statuesque, giving us cheekbone for days, giving us accessory, giving us accessories, a little Victor and Rolf, a little Christian Dior. Like I'm, I'm here for it. The, the fashions were sickening. So that, and then she is magical, and she has this, this, I want to say essence or. Oh, what's that thing? Y'all, the words right on the tip of my tongue. You're screaming it at me. I know you're in my brains already. We all are like so synced up with each other. She has this presence in the movie. It's not even that she's the villain or she's scary. Or it's just that she kind of takes over the whole movie. And I think that's why they pulled out that character Maleficent and gave her her own movie because she's just a badass. And so she's my favorite Disney character. But all of the villains are. I love Ursula. You know, 
I love Scar. <laughs> Maybe that just says something about me as a person. But Maleficent is my absolute favorite. And I know she's kind of... And, like, the new movie... I was actually about to call her this, and then I remember this is what the second movie is called. It's Maleficent, Mistress of Darkness. But to me, that sounds pretty cool. I don't think that's a bad thing. <laughs> and in fact, when I saw Maleficent... Okay, so I don't go to movie theaters. Um, this is relevant to what is happening in the world around us right now, and I don't want to make this very heavy, but I don't go to movie theaters because I am afraid of being shot, to be perfectly clear and plain about it. Um... There's just increasingly less and less spaces in America, and I know not all of our listeners are American, and I'm so thankful you don't really have to deal with this or ha keep it, like, in the back of your mind, but it's increasingly becoming that there are places that are less and less and less safe for us, and um, I just don't it's – it's already kind of a weird environment for me because it's dark, and you're just surrounded by a lot of people's energy – and it's very loud because you know, obviously it has to be, and you're taking in a lot of visuals at once, so it can be very overwhelming for me. But once those mass shootings started to happen and the trend became to take place in movie theaters, it was not enough of a risk for me to go there any longer. Um, and I'm here's the thing. It's like being in an airplane, right? What are the chances it could happen to you? I, I could probably go to the movie theater for the rest of my life and never have anything happen. But to me, it cemented something in me where I was like, it's just not worth the risk. So I do not go to movie theaters. It is very, very, very rare. I think I have been, aside from when I'm in Europe, I will go when I'm there. Uh, but I still am kind of nervous about it. But aside from that, I have been four times in the past five or six years. And not, none of those times to see Bill Skarsgård. So I'm a fake fan. And I just want to make that clear right now. I am very fake. I have, well, it was like it. If, you, if I already have a lot of anxiety about being in a movie theater and about the people around me and what could possibly happen, I, a scary movie is not the thing to put on top of that. I will, I just take Bill in at home as I should. But Maleficent is one of the movies I made myself go see, even though I was very anxious and kind of scared and nervous about the, the environment and the situation. And uh, I loved it at first, but... um. I didn't love that instead of kind of being this badass feminist, well, not that the character wasn't feminist, that's not fair to say, but just being like this badass witch character who's like just messing stuff up and she's a sorceress and she's giving people their due. And, you know, she was, there's debate about what happened in the first part of the movie where her, uh, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Maleficent, skip ahead a little bit when her wings are cut off. But, you know, that is very much a violation to me. And her trying to get retribution for that. Am I remembering the movie correctly? I feel like I am. And so I was all about that. I was like, yeah, fly around, um, use your staff, get the spindles. Like, let's do this, girl. I'm on your side. Let's witch it up. <laughs> but then, you know, she meets Aurora and she really, they really kind of fall in love, you know, in a non-romantic way, but really are endeared to each other and share this love with each other. And she becomes good to an extent. And I was like, you know what? This isn't the Maleficent I signed up for. <laughs> I thought I was going to get two hours of just witchery and like popping off and being statuesque and gorgeous and just cheekbones and horns. And now there's just like this warmth and why did I just say warmth? Like it's a terrible thing. Obviously, because it's also geared towards children, right? It's not just 20, what, 28, 29 year olds in the movie theater who grew up with Disney. I mean, it is. <laughs> I know that's who went to The Lion King too, who are like, yes, Maleficent's story. Finally, which perspective? Let's do this. Of course, it has to be geared towards children as well. It's Disney, right? I think it's a PG movie. <laughs> so she couldn't just be like, 
messing things up the whole time and, and taking no shit and taking, taking no prisoners. But when there is that turn in the movie where she really, like, the, the ice around her heart melts and she is able to embrace this character and have love for her and want to protect her and be more of this really mothering figure, I was like, oh, this isn't the Maleficent I signed up for. <laughs> I'm going to go back and rewatch it. And um, now that I know it kind of takes this turn, it isn't just, like, spooky, sinister um witchery vibes and the thing is i'm making it sound like witches are evil like the thing that i'm trying to fight against is the stigma that we're evil and devil consorts and satanism and all these terrible dark nasty things but in the, in the meantime i'm like man maleficent was really great until she like got a heart and cared about this character <laughs> but it's really not that it's just that i i really went in thinking it would be she would be so powerful and unstoppable and not that she wasn't but I just wasn't expecting the kind of that mothering element and kind of that softness to come in because when I think of Maleficent, you really do think of like hard angles, right? And so when there's that softness underneath, I was like, oh, okay, I get it. So all this to say, <laughs> I want to talk about this article just briefly and then we're going to get into our topic for the week and we will have a bad witch outing. I think I'm going to be able to get over my anxiety, maybe, and go see Maleficent too whenever it comes out. Maybe we could do like a bad witch thing together and some kind of meetup if we can get some people all in the same place. We can have like meetups in our Vice City or something to be really fun. Because, you know, Maleficent is one of us. And now that they're actually kind of spinning the story and putting her in a more positive, beautiful light. And that is something I will say about the first movie. Hi, it's Mickey Movie Review. You thought you were going to get out of it this week? No, I talk about one every week now. <laughs> or a TV show or something. Y'all, I love pop culture. And when Pop culture and witchcraft come together, it, like, my witch heart grows 10 sizes. But I did love that you were really given a backstory in the first movie. So you're not just isolating this character that's supposed to be the villain. That's supposed to be evil. You have the story that you're like, okay, I get it. I get that she was violated. And I get that she was hurt. And the thing that was so important to her was taken away from her. And there's a humanity in that. And I think that is important to see that witches are people too. <laughs> you know, we're people. We happen to be witches. Um, I just wasn't expecting the other turn, which was soft gentleness. I wanted, I wanted cheekbones and angles. But anyway, so let's talk about this article. Talk. Let's talk about this article, and then we will get into our topic for the week. Okay. Hi. I lied. Um, <laughs> I was just rereading the article real quick so we could talk about it, and I. It's not that long, and I think everything that she touches on is relevant to us and it's important. And it kind of goes back to that witchery history thing that I said I wanted to talk about last week, and. She makes a lot of really good points. So I'm just going to read the whole thing. I swear it's not that long. Guess what? It's going to be a long episode. Everyone try to compose yourselves. I know it's shocking, <laughs> but that's what we do. It's just going to be a long episode. So here we go. Angelina Jolie. So she actually wrote this. I think I already said that. Angelina Jolie on why the world needs more wicked women. Okay, pause. Um, I love the word wicked. Not to be confused with the Broadway play, <laughs> which is another thing I guess we could dig into one day about the wicked witches of oh who was also green like maleficent hmm isn't that interesting um the wicked witches and the good witches of the wizard of oz okay tick someone remind me that i said that so we can talk about it one day but i love the word wicked i think that it invokes something really powerful and something seductive in like the best way and something that is enchanting and a little bit dangerous and a little bit risky i don't know i've always been a fan of the word wicked and to associate that like, you know, wickedness is not the same as deviousness to me, which 
is something that has like a bad intention behind it. But wickedness is almost like a playful word to me. So yeah, that association with witches, I mean, I think that's kind of a compliment, right? Although last week I also did say if you said I'm a loose woman or a bitch, I'm going to take that as a compliment. So maybe don't listen to me. Okay, so it starts off with the definition of Maleficent. Which until I read this yesterday and then again today, I did not realize that was a real word. I thought it was just a Disney character. I, oh my goodness, I didn't know that was a real word. So here are the witchery history lessons right in front of us. Maleficent, adjective, causing or capable of producing evil or mischief, harmful or baleful. From Latin, maleficent or malficus, wicked, prone to evil, from malum, evil. So we're seeing a lot of the same root words, right? And malfeasance. I, listen, if I'm saying these words incorrectly, come for me. I mean, don't come for me, but like, you know by now. <laughs> I'm just doing my best. Malfeasance. 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 M-A-L-E-F-I-C-E. Noun. Archaic. A wicked deed or enchantment. Okay, so that's how it starts. Then there's a gorgeous picture of her in a trench coat with a cape by Burberry. I die. Okay, here's, here's where it starts. What is it about the power of a woman free in mind and body that has been perceived so dangerous throughout history? In the past, the Old Testament commands, quote, thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. Yikes. <laughs> that does, that's not good for us. Um, which was taken literally. Tens of thousands of people were executed for, I'm going to pronounce this mal malificia. That's wrong. I don't know how to pronounce it. Malefica, maybe. M-A-L-E-F-I-C-I-A. I'm going to link this below, so I'm butchering it. You'll get it. Um, the alleged crime of evil deeds through magic from the witch hunts in Europe to the Salem trials in America. The vast majority of these were women. Absolutely true. We were hunted. We were killed. We were persecuted. We were tortured. Um, some men definitely were, but I mean, it, it fell on the women. That's absolutely true. Like the ultimate conspiracy theory, anything you couldn't explain from the crop failing to a child falling ill could be put down to the influence of a supposedly wicked woman. These were often destitute widows eking out an existence as healers on the fringes of society or young women whose seductive powers could easily be attributed to magic. We've talked about this at length in different episodes that if people would say, oh, this crop failed. It had to be a curse by that evil old crone over there. Or, um, you know, there would be a flood and it was witchcraft. You know, it was just perhaps because of that absence of science, we... We have these magical explanations for something that are good and bad. You know, we have these beautiful creation stories involving the gods and the goddesses in so many cultures and in so many religions that explain all the beautiful, wonderful things in life that we didn't have an explanation for at that time. You know, we kind of sought out this natural, magical answer. But at the same time, when there were plagues and ill... Plagues? Plagues. Plagues. There we go. <laughs> plagues and ills and sicknesses and death and disease, you know, all of these things, then it was witchcraft. So there were, magic was viewed, magic and mysticism were kind of viewed two sides of the same sword. Hi, I finally said it. I haven't said it in a while. Um, but a lot of it, again, the negatives of it fell to witches and it fell to women. And that was in a way to, that was a way to explain things. But the root of that is patriarchy and misogyny and hating women for just trying to live their lives and do the damn thing. Even if it is in the case, like she says, of these, you know, women that were healers, that were doing good, that were creating potions and and recipes and what's the word I'm looking for? Salves. I say the word salve a lot on this podcast. I don't make sure if I'm saying it right. Um, you know, putting together herb pouches or anything that was kind of this archaic medicine back then. They were seen as performing witchcraft when really they were just trying to help people. 
And the same thing we talked about last week is women that are just sexual beings because, you know, the majority of us are, not everyone, but most of us have sex and enjoy sex and delight in it. We were blamed for being enchanting to men because men can't get their shit together and control themselves. And that's something we still see now in slut shaming and in rape culture. Like it is so prevalent to this day, but yeah, you would say, Oh, well, you know, she enchanted him. That's how she quote unquote stole this man from someone else. That's how um, she was able to get him to fall in love with her. That's, and then he died mysteriously and she put a spell or, you know, charmed him or whatever. It was, it's just nothing else can ever be someone else's responsibility. It falls to us. And not only is it the woman's fault, but, oh, she's also a witch and she coerced him and put a spell on him. So we got to kill her. Like truly madness. Okay. Next paragraph. (laughs) Women could be accused of witchcraft for having an independent sex life, for speaking their mind on politics or religion, or for dressing differently. Had I lived in earlier times, I could have been burnt at the stake many times over many times over for simply being myself. I mean, couldn't we all? Literally, we are all self-proclaimed and active witches. We all have active sex lives. We all speak about politics. We talk about in the group. I talk about on the podcast. We live in our truth. We don't take any shit. Yeah, they they would have burned us at the stake, Joan of Arc style. They would have crushed us with some books, like the Salem witch, not books, uh, crushed him with, <laughs> crush you with books. What? Um, they would have crushed us with stones like they did so often in the Salem witch trial. It's just crazy that we're still dealing with these themes and these dangers towards women and these persecutions. What, what is supposed to be like in a much more evolved time, right? They're still on this witch hunt, even if they're not saying it's for witches in particular. The accusation of witchcraft has been used to control and silence women in almost every society in every century. Joan of Arc was put to death by fire in 15th century France for idolatry and heresy including wearing men's clothing. The initial charges against her included witchcraft, and she was accused of dancing near a fairy tree at night. Textbook witchy behavior. <sighs> just just let that sink in. This woman who... Okay, you know what? I can't start on Joan of Arc because it, there's so much religion tied into it, and I'm not trying to go into this whole religion spiel again, but the fact that she should have kind of... And she is now like held up as an icon of the Catholic Church, and that she, you know, had these visions and she was led to like lead this army and to win these battles. But then was, they were like, no, no, you're a witch. And you did this like amazing, miraculous thing. And you led these people and you were unifying. But, um, I mean, we heard you were dancing by that fairy tree. So like lights out. What? Like, it's so crazy. It's so crazy. And it could be something simply as simple as that. You just act a little differently. You do things a little differently. You like to walk barefoot, you know, in the moonlight, in the forest back in the day. And all of a sudden you're a witch. You have a pet toad and a pet cat. You're a witch. Just the like obsession with looking for anything to accuse a woman of something. It's insane. It's so insane. Okay. I didn't realize that reading this out loud was going to rile me up so much, but here we are. (laughs) If I don't get riled up at least one time in each episode, what's the point? It is so ludicrous that it almost seems funny until you consider that a woman dancing or singing in public is viewed as illegal or indecent in many countries today. Iranian girls who post videos of themselves dancing or challenging what the country's laws and religious dogma still deems unacceptable behavior for women six six centuries later. And certainly that is Angelina Jolie's example, but I mean, in America, we deal with that shit. It all over the world women deal with persecution at so many different levels just for trying to breathe and dance and sing and live and eat and enjoy 
and practice and be happy and be vibrant. It's, it's truly wild. Since time immemorial, I think I said that right. That's a lot of M's for me. <laughs> Women who rebel against what is considered normal by society, even unintentionally, have been labeled as unnatural, weird, wicked, and dangerous. Literally just made that point. What is surprising is the extent to which this kind of myth and prejudice has persisted throughout the centuries and still colors the world we live in. Yeah, scary. It is startling how often women who run for political office in democratic countries are described as witches. I said that last week. Someone didn't want to say the word bitch, so they called the person a witch. I think that actually may have been in regards to Hillary Clinton now that I'm thinking about it. Not because she just said that political thing. I think it was. Um, cause you know, we're gearing up for an election. So we're talking about the last one. Yeah. The, the word is thrown around a lot. Uh, bring together a group of strong women and before too long, someone will brand them a coven. The technical term to be clear for a gathering of witches meeting at night to consort with the devil. Okay. Um, traditionally, yes, that is not how we use the word today, but we're going to look at like the traditional meaning of the word coven. Yeah. That, yeah. Okay. I'm not going to start about that. Um, Women who stand up for human rights in many countries are still labeled deviant, bad mothers, difficult, or loose. There's that word I love. In my work, I travel often to countries where I know that if I were a citizen there, my beliefs and actions as a woman could land me in jail or expose me to physical danger. Female human rights defenders across the world are incarcerated for their political views or for defending themselves or others with courage I can hardly imagine. Truly, like, I talk a lot of shit, in a good way, I think, about feminism and, you know, fighting for the cause and standing up for other women and standing up for witches and standing up for all lady kind. But it's easy to do that when you come from a place with like so much privilege and like a place of like me as an individual has so much privilege, but being an American, I have so much privilege. It's really easy to fight that fight when you know it won't get you killed necessarily or incarcerated or put your family at risk. You know, it's the bravery of women that fight those fights in these places. It's, it's mind blowing. It's, it's amazing. Um, we could only hope to do so much good. For all our modern advance advances, the independence and creative energy of women is still frequently seen as a dangerous force to be controlled, often in the name of religion, tradition, or culture. Consider the estimated 200 million women and girls alive today who have suffered genital mutilation, or the approximately 650 million women and girls worldwide who, have, uh, who were made to marry before they were 18 years old. Thousands of women and girls are murdered by family members in so-called honor killings each year as a punishment for exercising their own free will. And when thousands of Sudanese women took to the streets in Khartoum, calling for free elections in their country this summer, the orders went out to break the girls, quote unquote, leading to scores of alleged rapes by security forces. None of this is to dismiss or downplay for an instant the terrible abuses against men and boys, including modern allegations of witchcraft. But looking across the world, we have to ask, why is so much energy expended to keep women in secondary position? That's another thing about the whole witchcraft accusation then and now. It's it's a way to, I mean, for us, we were talking about this last week. Like, we've taken that word. We've reclaimed it. We've made it beautiful. It's, it's something that is trendy and cool in pop culture even at this point. But, I mean, I was watching something on YouTube the other day, and it was someone that deals with tarot cards. And they had a caller call in, and they were like, you know, I hate the tarot card thing. Because you know where those messages are coming from. They're coming from the devil. And I was like, girl, what? I, oh my gosh. <laughs> like, to hear someone say that out loud, even though I know there are scores of people with those beliefs in 2000, damn near 20 almost, I, it, it shocked me. Because we do live in this world, and we, especially like in our Facebook group and in this community, we are so supportive and loving and there for each other and hold each other up. To hear someone say that out loud, I was like, are you, am, am I crazy? Am I 
did I hear that wrong? You know? And so that accusation of witchcraft and to be called a witch, it really is someone trying to defame you to be derogatory. And I'm not going to say it has the same weight of like a racial derogatory term because it simply just does not. But someone is trying to say, I am better than you when they use that word in a negative connotation, when they use it in a bad way, they're trying to say, I'm better than you. You are lower than me to quote Kelly Benson, Kelly Benson, Simone to Beth, Beth, <laughs> wow. Bethany Frankel. I'm up here. You are down here. Like it is to separate us. It is to make us secondary. And it is especially assigned to women because so much of that world and the world around us wants to put us in a secondary position, wants to control us, wants to tell us what we can and cannot do. And we better not have anything to say about it. Okay. Um, looked at it, looked at in this light, quote unquote, wicked women are just women who are tired of injustice and abuse. Women who refuse to follow rules and codes they don't believe are best for themselves or their families. Women who won't give up their voice and rights, even at the risk of death or imprisonment or rejection by their families and communities. If that is wickedness, then the world needs more wicked women. Hell yeah, we absolutely do. And that's what we're doing with this podcast. That's what we're doing with our witchcraft, our practice. We're not just doing this for us. It's not self-serving. Like I always try to say, we use this witch thing to do a greater good, to take care of each other, to take care of the people we love, to take care of the world at large, because we freaking need it. Like things are bad. Things are very bad. And if we're not going to, if no one else is going to do something about it, then we have to step up and do something about it. And what we're seeing is that the people that have the power to do it, like the tangible power that we all recognize aren't doing anything. And that's simply not going to fly because I'm not going to have my life and my future and y'all's life and y'all's futures and your family's futures and your kids and their kids have to deal with shit because people don't want to do the right thing. So that's where us wicked women are going to step in. But it is also true that women don't wake up every morning wanting to fight. Oh my gosh. Yes. We want to be able to be soft and nurturing and graceful and loving. Not everyone is born to fight and we don't have magical powers. Well, some of us do. <laughs> what we do have is the ability to support one another and to work with the many great men who value and respect women as their equals. I think of a father who I met the first time I went to an Afghan refugee camp in Pakistan during the rule of Taliban. He had been beaten so badly for sending his daughters to school that the whites in his eyes were yellow from the damage to his liver. I think of the Syrian husband I met whose wife became paralyzed after she was shot in the spine by a sniper. They were living in a refugee camp with no possessions and nowhere to go, but I do not think I have ever seen a more loving couple or devoted husband. I would, I could not be prouder of my sons for the men they are becoming and the way they treat, they way they, the way they respect their sisters and are respected by them. Who we are meant to be in life is something we all have to work out for ourselves. I think we can often go off track as women because our instinct is to nurture and to adjust ourselves to society's expectations. Yeah. Um, society can F off because it isn't always telling us to do things that are for our best interest. It's telling us to do things to put us in a secondary position like we just kind of talked about. It can be hard to take the time to ask ourselves who we truly want to be, not who we think other people will approve of or accept, but who we really are. That's like the embracing the witch thing, babes. Like so many people write to me and say, you know, I'm still in the broom closet. Um, I can't say this to the people around me. I can't say this to people that are in my family or my friends because they're going to either think I'm evil or they're going to think I'm stupid. They, I can't embrace who I am because they won't embrace who I am, but you can embrace who you are. Screw those other people. <laughs> I mean, I know it's hard to cut people off. I'm not advocating just like cutting off your friends and family, but you know, if someone really loves you and cares about you, then they should accept you in totality and not just the bits and pieces of you that work for them. But when you listen to yourself, you can make the choice to step forward and learn and change. It can be hard to take the time to ask ourselves who we truly want to be, not what we, what, not what we think other people will 
wait, that's a repeat. They, that wasn't me. That was the article. Don't drag me. <laughs> okay, so this is the end. Um, coming again from Angelina's per perspective. I remember when the moment first came for me. I was in my 20s meeting refugees in Sierra Leone during the closing stages of a brutal civil war. <clears throat> I understood for the first time the level of violence that exists in the world and the reality of life for millions of people affected by conflict and displacement, and I discovered my life's work and purpose. I often tell my daughters that the most important thing they can do is develop their minds. Yes. Yes. You can always put on a pretty dress, but it doesn't matter what you wear on the outside if your mind isn't strong. Oh, Angelina. Yes, girl. There is nothing more attractive, you might even say enchanting, than a woman who has a woman with an independent will and her own opinions. I live. I live. I'm screaming. I am jumping up and down for joy. That's beautiful. Yeah. Living your truth. Have your opinions. Don't let anyone silence you. Because you know what? A lot of witches died so that we could live and thrive. So we are not going to do them a disservice of letting their death be in vain. We are going to be loud and we're going to be proud and we're going to do our spells and we're going to do our magic and screw what anyone else says that doesn't like it because that's not our business anyway. I keep telling y'all, if someone doesn't pay your bills, it's not your business. Okay. And she finishes it off with, with love to all the wicked women and the men who understand them. So yeah, I'm saying let's embrace our wickedness wholeheartedly because there's been too many movements and too many times and too many people that have wanted to snuff out our light because they know exactly how powerful, powerful our light is. And I'm not one to be like snuffed out. I don't think any of you are either. So yeah, I just wanted to share that. I'm going to put it below again, like I said, put the link and I'll put the link in the Facebook group and we can talk about it there. Cause I know I interjected with 8,000 thoughts and also I can barely read. <laughs> Apparently I just trip over all my words. Hi, did I ever mention that my literal degree is in English? literature, by the way. Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to share that just in case. Um, but that was beautiful and it really moved me and it really spoke to me. And I love that this huge, like Angelina Jolie is a callback to when movie stars were movie stars, you know, like people were so hugely famous and untouchable. And she has that humanitarian aspect, which is a really a callback to old Hollywood where it was just like glamour and good kind of coming together. I mean, a lot of that stuff underneath, not saying her, but just like the system and the way that women are treated, like, you know, I'm not going to start with the um, Harvey Weinstein thing, but you know what I'm talking about. Like there's always that undercurrent, but she really is a callback to being a true star, a true movie star, a true A-lister. So I think it's incredible that she is taking on these roles of Maleficent, right? And showing witches in a different light and showing that we have a story beyond, again, eating children and dancing with the devil. And that she wrote this really, really thoughtful article that brings that word so much positivity and brings witches so much positivity and wickedness and these things that were meant to help hold women down, she's using it to uplift us. I think that's incredible. So yeah, I wanted to share that. It really spoke to me. And anytime I'm like, man, what should I talk about this week? These things just happen. I thought it was perfect timing. All right. So it is our first episode of August. Let's get our Patreon shoutouts going. And then we will talk about our topic for this week, which I will finally tell you 40 minutes in, <laughs> we're going to talk about the tools of witchcraft. So think of your chalices, think of your cauldrons, your candles, your crystals, your daggers, your blades, all of those wonderful things that aid us in our practice. We use in our rituals, we use in our spells that we can have definitely decorating our altar that we pull up when we need something. We're, we're using them when we cast a circle. Things that are really in the witch's toolkit. You know, it's, it's our, our little handy dandy tools that are an extension of ourselves and a lot of the times carry their own energy and magic to make our power that's already potent within us even better to really seal it in to bring it on home. So we're going to be talking about that. I can't stop myself from saying it. It's tool time. <laughs> okay, so let's do our Patreon shout outs. And then we're going to get right in.
So as always, a very extra special from the very bottom of my heart with so many cherries on top. Thank you to our Patreon baddies who this month are Kristen, Shannon, Maya, Aurora, Celine, Bryn, Lindsay, Becca, Alicia, Nolling, Heidi, Mackenzie, Lena, Sasha, Brett, Elizabeth, Adele, Aaron, Carla, Sola, and Amanda. We have so many new patrons. That's so freaking exciting. I don't even know how to tell you. Thank you so much. Um, it's just, that just means so much to me. Obviously all of y'all mean so much to me. Your support is insane. Like I just can't believe this is a thing that I get to do every week. And I can't believe I'm making like legitimate connections and friends with all of you and that we have this network to grow our witchcraft and be in love and support. And it's amazing. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being on Patreon. Thank you all of you for being here. Thank you for downloading, for telling people about it, for leaving reviews. I just mean it from the bottom of my, my witchy heart. I love you all so much. Okay, babes. So let's get into it. Like I said, it's tool time. I'm hundred percent going to call the episode that I'm always like, what should I, how am I going to come up with episode names? It's the last thing I do. And it's always the hardest thing because I want it to be clever, obviously. Um, but yeah, I'm going to call this tool time. I'm just, I'm just going to tell you now. I mean, you already know cause you clicked on it, but I can't stop myself. I think it's really funny and I just love amusing myself. Okay. So let's talk about the tools of the trade. Um, let's start with, Hmm. You know what? When I think which, let's do a, a word association, except you'll have to tell me after because I can't talk to you right right now. But when I think of which, I think the thing I think of first is the cauldron. Don't y'all? Tell me what the first, when you hear that word witch, what's the first thing that pops into your head if you're thinking of like witchy tools? I really think the cauldron is like, also that's a hard word for me. Duh. What is it? Cauldron. Cauldron. I'm going to try to say cauldron. Um, That's the first thing I think of. I think about you know, double, double toil and trouble and, uh, the witches in Macbeth. That's kind of the first image of witchcraft. I really re remember having, cause I think we read that in fifth grade. Oh no, that was a craft year. Fifth grade was a good year. <laughs> it was a great year for me just being like, oh, okay, I got it. Um, but yeah, so let's start with the cauldron. Cause that is the witchy tool that pops out the most to me. And we'll just kind of go from there. No direct order. Let's just talk about it. So we can't talk about the cauldron without talking about Caridwen work with me. You know me and these Celtic names. So she is a goddess. It is spelled C-E-R-R-I-D-W-E-N, Caridwen. And her name is derived from the Celtic word Caru, which means cauldrons. <laughs> so there's a connection right there. She herself and cauldrons both represent and symbolize the same thing. So we have the trans transformative power of magic, wisdom, rebirth, um, like regeneration, and creative inspiration. And so she's kind of seen as the patron goddess of witches and wizards and those kind of magical beings. And she's also really associated with moon, fertility, science, prophecy, and poetry, which we'll see in just a second when we talk about what we actually use our cauldron for. In fact, the cauldron kind of symbolizes Caridwen, that W, in two different capacities. So at once it kind of represents like the womb. And if you even think of like the shape of a cauldron, it's rounded shape. It's more soft, feminine, um, more of like a childbearing, fertile place, like womb-like. If you know the shape, of, I mean, are you are you personally intimate with the shape of the womb? <laughs> Let me know. <laughs> and then next we'll jump and talk about the wand, which is the more masculine side, which we can also see represented in the fact that the wand has quite a phallic shape. I We may be more associated with that as opposed to the shape of the womb. But, you know, in, in witchcraft and in magic, it is about balancing the uh, feminine and the masculine. And so, of course, we have these tools that kind of 
fit into each place and represent both sides. And we work with all of them because we contain all of them. So at once it's that they believe that is the womb of the goddess herself, but also in Caridwin's <laughs> be so careful, Caridwin's myth, it's that she herself uses a cauldron. That's like her major tool. And she is stirring just like this elixir of knowledge and inspiration. And she is just going and going and going all throughout time. So when we work with it, it's like we're working with the divine female, the idea of the goddess, the idea of fertility because of that womb-like shape. Again, according to me, I think that's what it would be shaped like. Yeah. I've seen some medical books in my day. Remember, I was very good at biology for no reason at all. So for the actual cauldron itself, we've all seen it. It usually has the three legs and uh, will be cast iron, black. And it's something that was not even just a tool of the witches. I mean, it's something that was in most houses in the hearth and the fireplace that you would cook in and you would, you know, use just in day-to-day -day activity. But for us, it's a little bit different. Um, and I, you know, I always associate it with just water. I always thought it was like boiling a pot, you know, like double, double toil and trouble. There's, oh, wait. Yeah, it's boiling in that. Double, double toil and trouble. Fire, burn, and cauldron. Bubble, yes, the cauldron is bubbling. So I always just associate it with um, being associated with the element of water and using water or liquid with it. Boy, have I been wrong about that. So, of course, you can fill it with water and you can make ruin wa moon water. You can create any kind of, like, blessed potion or formula in there. Um, you can also use it for scrying, which is something I think we might talk about let me not get myself a deadline but we will talk about it pretty soon because it keeps kind of popping up for me so if you don't know about scrying it's just a type of divination so uh basically it's a way to uh see what's going on and check out the future but that's not the only divination that our beautiful black bubbling pots can do so you can also um which literally i just learned this from like researching for this episode i somehow never knew this but um, you can use it to burn incense, herbs, offerings, wishes. Um, you know, you can write down spell, write down spells on paper, or write down intentions and like burn them and release them, or put more potency into them. Or you can perform pyromancy, which I can't believe I've never intentionally sat down and done this. Well, I guess to an extent I have. So pyromancy is when you are able to read the flames. You can divinate. That's not a word. <laughs> It's divination using flames and fire. So you can look into the fire. You can receive the messages. You can see the future. You can see, you know, upcoming situations. You can see hidden details and situations of experience. It gives you a lot of truth, right? Um, so I have done this with my candles where I will kind of stare into the flame and repeat my intention and see what visions it will show me. But I've never done with a cauldron. I've never done it in front of a fireplace intentionally. I'm pretty sure... Just, you know, like we're look at the moon kind of people. We're also like gaze at the fire kind of people where you do feel kind of drawn to it. And I mean, I said personally, I'm like really into the fire thing, probably a little bit too much. But I remember just sitting in front of our fireplace when I was a kid and, you know, older and just being like enthralled with it and almost being able to hear it. You know, the, the pops of the wood and the crackling of the fire and just like when the, the smoke is lifting and when the ash kind of falls away, you could hear all of these little intricate sounds. And I swear it was talking to me. Like I was having a conversation with it. So that's what pyromancy is. I've just never used a cauldron for that. But if it's cast iron, you can absolutely use it for fire-based rituals. Um, it's not just for cooking, guys. <laughs> but turns out it is also for cooking. Well, not turns out. Of course, it's also for cooking. So if you are at that kitchen, well, if you're the green witch, let's say, 
you would come in and you would put your herbs in and you would make a wonderful um, uh, moon water. You would make a potion. You could even do a floor wash in your cauldron just to like mix it, mix it all together. Um, but you, if you're a kitchen witch, you can also make your witchy recipes in there. Um, I would recommend not using one for both. Like if you're going to have one for food, awesome. If you're going to have one for other witchy uh, rituals, which, rituals, <laughs> I guess I would use one for each just cause you know, you don't want to literally or figuratively or spiritually cross contaminate. But yeah, I mean, just as you would do a spell or a ritual or you would make a potion or you would just create some kind of water or fire based magic or energy. You obviously do that with when you're cooking too, if you are a kitchen witch or if you dabble in that in any way. So the cauldron is highly functional. It's, you know, like some of the things we use in which, like, for example, the wand, which we'll talk about next, we're not going to go around like using the wand in our day to day life so much. Whereas the cauldron does kind of have multi-purpose. You can use it for this very, very intensely witchy side, but you can also use it in like a real world practical way, even though you're infusing your magic and your witchcraft into it. So that's why I think the cauldron is just like so essential because it is multifaceted. It does carry different energies and it carries different elements and it works well with both that are kind of in contrast with each other. And it's just the heart, like it sits in the heart of the home. So it it's, you know, the heart of the body, the heart of our spirituality as well. It sits in the warmest place and it's the place that we would all gather around as a coven or even as, just as a family or a family of witches, if you happen to be hereditary. Um, so yeah, the cauldron is very much what I associate with a witch, but before I think of anything else, I think of that cauldron. Okay. So on to our wands, let me tell y'all something. Y'all are going to laugh at me so hard, but when <laughs> I know that wands are a part of witchcraft, right? But I really never realized people actually use them because I, I channel my energy, my magic and my direction so much through my hands that I just never thought people had, I don't, why did I think that? I don't know why I thought that. And also all the witchy stores I've ever gone to in my whole life, I've never seen one. So when I post, when I, you know, did last week's episode, I said, show me your wand and people started posting them. They're like, oh, I made this. Oh, I hand carved this. I'm like, what? <laughs> so this is something I have very been like a, an essential that I have very much been missing. So I'm, I'm on the hunt for a wand right now. Um, someone just posted their Instagram and I think they saw them in the group. So I might get one of those, but I'm just like flabbergasted. Why didn't any of you tell me I need to go get a wand? <laughs> so yeah, I think about Harry Potter again. Hi, this is a Harry Potter fan episode. Part two, I guess, because I went on my rant last week. But really when I think about the wand, and maybe this is an association that I should have been like, duh, of course I need one, is thinking about um, the fairy godmother and Cinderella. Her wand was everything. Okay, first of all, it was like silver platinum or something. And it literally had like magical sounds and like sprinkle of fairy dust that came out of it. That's all I ever wanted was to bibbity boppity boom around. So yeah, I, I'm i going to get on my wand game. How dare I? The wand is so important because it does direct the energy. Again, it is this more masculine part. It's kind of, to me, it's like the counterpart, I guess. To, well, everything carries energy, but like when I picture it because of like the distinctive shapes, it is kind of the counterpart to the cauldron to me and also unbeknownst to me, probably the second most popular association, if not the first of when you think of a witch's tools. I just, no one ever told me y'all. I didn't know. So you can use your wand to um, cast a circle. You can use it to open it. You can use it to close it back up. You can use it to summon entities. You can use it to really direct your energy where it's going. 
You can use it to consecrate your other tools and the other goods that you use in your practice. You know, I really like to think of the wand as an extension of oneself. Um, it very much is charged with our energy. And especially like you can, people that carve their own, like you already have that connection to it. Like you're literally carving it and putting your intention into it while you're going through that practice together. And because it will be made from all kinds of different elements, you might have metal, you might have wood, you might have glass, all of these carry their own magical properties that we have talked about endlessly at this point, whether, you know, you decide to use copper to make your wand out of, or to like wrap a, wrap a wow. What kind of, <laughs> what kind of like, I want to say bugs, but Elmer Fudd accent do I have going on right now? Um, you can use the copper, you know, to wrap around your wand, to, to decorate or to attach something to it. And that is like pure conductivity, right? And we talk about how it's so conductive that if that it's extending from your hand, which is extending from your heart, which is where your intention lies anyway, and your wand is, has that copper or it has wood that is like directly from the earth that you've gone out and got yourself and fashioned to a wand. When you direct that, it's like this extension of your magic that is so powerful. It just is going to shoot out energy and magic. It's amazing. So yeah, why didn't I ever have one of those? <laughs> I'm on it. I'm going to, hey, 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 I'm going to get one. Um, but yeah, the wand is amazing because it facilitates so much magic. And no, it's not like the chalice or the cauldron where you can use it kind of in different ways in the realm of magic. It's very much like a distinct magical tool, but it's a very, very, very powerful one. And, uh, every witch should have one. I just didn't know that until you, you all taught me that. <laughs> so surprised. But, uh, yeah, it's even just at your altar, it's open. It's great to open, uh, the practice that you're gonna do in that moment there. And then to close it out because, you know, we always want to make sure that we have a definite start to our magic, to our rituals, to our spells. And then we have a definite closing out because we don't want to leave it unfinished. And we also don't want to leave it open so that any other intentions can penetrate it or any other spirits, entities, whomever that may want to tamper with it and tamper with the reaction, uh, not the reaction, tamper with the, um, not productivity, the outcome who may want to tamper with the outcome can kind of slither in there and get to it. So the wand has so many uses. It's protective to our magic, but it's also an extension of ourselves and our magic. You know, I think when I told you all about that love spell, which uh, is still reverberating, turns out, <laughs> I'll have to do, I'll do a private post about that in the Facebook group, I think. Um, I did not close out that spell. I just let it kind of sit. And so that's why it just pinged wherever it wanted to and hit people that, I didn't mean for it to hit. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> you know, and if listen, if you don't want to use a wand, that's totally fine. I've made it this far using my hands. Things have been okay, but it is, it is like a nice symbolic, I mean, it's a tangible tool, but it's a nice way to symbolically open things up, close things out, point your energy, direct what you want, direct your intention. You know, we kind of think of like the, the conductiveness of the copper and how everything is just running, you know, energy is just running. So that's why the wand is so great. I'm going to go get one immediately. <laughs> hmm. Let's see. Let's talk about the mortar and pestle next. I, <laughs> this is another witch kid story. I'm having a flashback real time. We have a mortar. Okay. Wow. We have a mortar and pestle in my house. Um, and when I was a kid, I would just sit there and grind with it. I wasn't grinding anything. I think actually that's not true. I think I put like salt in it before. I think I may have like gone outside and just got, you know, when you're kids, you just get grass. Grass is just everything. <laughs> like, 
you have a hell of an imagination when you grow up and you don't have iPads or like, I didn't have internet when I was a kid because I'm a dinosaur. But so grass leaves and flowers were just everything. Grass could be soup ingredients. It could be medicine. It could be, it could be a crown. It could be an outfit. So yeah, I think, so we have, my mom has a mortar and pestle. She collabs a mort. Okay. You know what I'm trying to say? My mom has one. She collects pottery, which is a whole witch thing. I'm not going to get into with her right now because she's still in denial, but I would just sit there and grind and grind. And now that I'm thinking about it, I would go outside and just get like grass and flowers and you know, whatever I could find, add, add a little water to it, make a soup. <laughs> but that is such an essential witch tool. And I think the reason I was so obsessed with it when I was a kid was because my witch brain was like, yeah, girl, you've been here before. You've used this in other lives. You know why you're connected to this. This is why. So it's essentially just to crush your herbs. Um, if you're working with resin to crush down your resin or anything that needs to be kind of made into a finer substance for your potions, for spells, for rituals, for, uh, if you're a kitchen witch for your recipes for what am I else am I thinking of? Uh, did I say potions? Yes. Persian, <laughs> <Persians. laughs> uh, potions, brews. I feel like I'm forgetting one. I mean, it's limitless, right? You're going to end up using herbs for many, many things. Pouches. Did I say pouches. I think that's what I was trying to think of. Um, the thing that's really important about working with a mortar and pestle, got it, is that you want to make sure while you're going through that repetitive crushing motion that you're infusing those herbs, just like they're going to infuse your magic and your potion in just a second or your pouch or whatever, that you're infusing those, uh, your intention into those herbs while you're doing it. There's a lot of things in witchcraft where we kind of just are repeating the same pattern. It's the same thing with a cauldron where you're stirring and you're stirring and in the rhythm of that motion, you are kind of making the spell even stronger because you're establishing a rhythm and kind of a beat to it, if that makes sense. Like whenever I do my spells, you know, I told y'all I'm so bad at writing down my spells. I just kind of speak them aloud. I always have, I, I speak them in a beat. I don't speak just like intentions. I mean, I do all the time, but when I'm like concentrating and doing a particular candle spell or I'm smudging, I, I say my spells in some kind of poetic, um, oh, what's it called? I keep wanting to say it, I am big pentameter, but I don't say that I am big pentameter. That would be so weird. I, how would I even, I don't think I would even be able to do that if I tried. Um, but I say them in a certain rhyme scheme. So there's just a rhythm to the way that I speak that is encouraged by the rhythm of how I'm doing something. So when I am, you know, crushing something up and using that mortar, <laughs> mortar and pestle, it's really important that you kind of, well, it's not so important, but it's a good thing to practice and get better at to establish that rhythm that you're grinding down with and setting your intention to that rhythm. It's kind of just like the music of the universe, the music of the stars. It's the singing has its own kind of magic behind it. I mean, obviously you don't have to sing it out loud. <laughs> But I do, I kind of make a little song or like a little rhyme out of it. And I don't know, it just, it feels a little more comfortable to me. Uh, it feels a little more magical, really. I mean, there's no like direct reason for you to have to sit down and like sing Sweet Nightingale and shit like that. <laughs> I'm still thinking about Cinderella. But, uh, you know, Bibbidi Bobbidi Boop is a song, isn't it? Bibbidi Bobbidi Boop? Boo? Is it Boop or Boo? We don't have time for this. I, I'll watch it. I, I don't, we don't need to do but yeah, that is what the mortal and pestle is for. 
So, uh, you know, all of us will use it, especially if you're a green witch, you're going to use it more. If you're into the herbology, you're going to use it more. And if you're a kitchen witch, you're probably going to use it a little bit more. I do love like the fragrance that comes out of it. Like even if it's not something that I use heavily, I think it's still just a good tool for all witches to have because it's something we can set our intention with. It's something that we're working with nature and connecting in that way and using our own hands. But also I just like the smell that it gives the area. And I'm very, and I think a lot of us are very sensitive and connected to smell in that way where it just can kind of set the atmosphere and the mood around our magic too. So I think it's a great tool. Also, it's just kind of fun. They're always like made of stone and really cool to the touch. And I don't know, I really liked grinding up grass when I was a little kid <laughs> and doing whatever with it. Anyway, so our next tool we're going to talk about is the chalice. Let me tell y'all something. Okay, so... <laughs> You know, I just think it's funny how my mom always tries to pretend like she's not a witch, but we have a chalice in our house as well. So when I was a kid, after I saw the craft, um, you know, she claims it's pottery, but I, I mean, is it, is it though? Because when I was a kid, I remember like getting grape juice, wine, quote unquote, after watching the craft and I would drink out of this chalice and be like, I'm a witch. This is my witch vibe. In fact, I think I took her chalice at some point and like put it in my witch box, which was, I mean, this isn't like a, a witch thing. You don't have to write this down, but, uh, I had a box of like an old Xerox box. I'm pretty sure that I had laid like a black old dance costume in that was made. It was like a netted tool skirt. And so I laid that in the bottom. So that was my black cloth or, you know, just something to ceremonially lay in the bottom and I had like a candle holder that was black and white marble and some candles and my modern witch spell book that I talked about in, I can't remember what episode now, but the first one I bought when I was like 10 and, um, I had her chalice that I stole <laughs> and something else, probably like some of my, my amethyst and tiger's eye and obsidian crystals. Uh, yeah. So the chalice was like an early connection for me. And I think that's one of those things again, whether you're a witch or you want to admit that you're a witch, it's something you're going to be drawn to. Also, when I was in fifth grade and I watched the craft for the first time and I started that coven that I got in trouble for, <laughs> we would um, pour what I, I don't even oh, I think it was grape juice. I think it was just like Coke or Pepsi or whatever. We would pour it into the chalice and like do we would reenact the ritual from the craft where they all um, they all draw blood from their fingers and pour it in there, not pour it in, but like drip it in and then all drink from it to like seal the coven. So we would recreate that all the time. <laughs> Do we, I'm gonna be honest I don't remember if we tried to like put blood in it I feel like we did but we were like all babies and we were too scared to do I know I was I'm just afraid of needles to this day you know I have tattoos and I have to get my blood drawn all the time um so I don't think I was like going out of my way to prick my finger but I think we may have like toyed with the idea <laughs> so anyway um so definitely when you're in a coven you're communing with your fellow witches, you can use that chalice to create a bond between you. The chalice also with that same, I'm really on womb shapes today. I don't know why, but the chalice also represents the feminine, the divine fertility, the womb. It has that same kind of rounded shape that we associate with that, or at least that I apparently associate with that. Um, it's also obviously associated with the element of water. You know, it is the holder, the container of water, of liquid, um, it can be made from lots of different things. Like the one that I grew up with was, it was thrown pottery. So I guess the base might've been clay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do some research on that. Um, it can be made of steel, of glass, ceramic. Oh, you know what? It was probably ceramic clay. Why did I think it was clay? What's wrong with me? 
you know, it could be, um, and it doesn't, oh, let me say this. It doesn't have to be like a ceremonial chalice that is, um, encrusted with jewels and hand painted and blessed by a witch. I mean, literally in a pinch, you can just use anything, anything that you set your intention on. You can do a little spell or a prayer over anything that you're wanting to use in any kind of communion. That could be your chalice or your cup. It doesn't, you don't have to have like this big formal thing. But you know, when we're talking, the one that I grew up with was very much like a medieval looking cup. <laughs> you know, we kind of going back to like the religion thing for a second, you know, growing up in the Catholic church, when you do the body and blood of Christ for communion, it's like, literally we are all sharing those chalices like you go get the wine you drink from it they wipe it off with a cloth and then the next person drinks which is like not the most hygienic thing but it would be different in a coven setting because you know you are more intimate with your coven obviously these are people that you commune with that you pray with that you bless with that you practice magic with that you dance naked in the moonlight with if that's what you want to do and so there's so much intimacy and there's so much connection as opposed to being in a church with, I don't know, 75 to a hundred people. And you're just drinking one right after the other. And like, yeah, you're in the building together and yeah, you might have the same beliefs, give or take, but there's no intimacy. So I like to think of the chalice as something that is very much a shared tool because it's something you will share with your fellow witches, but in an intimate way, you're not just going to go give it to someone on the street and be like, Hey, are you witch? Cool. Drink with me. You know, it's kind of like the, not to make it sound gross, but like the exchanging of fluid, like a fluid is like a very personal, intimate thing. And so if you are sharing a fluid like that with someone or in other senses, um, it's something that creates an intimate bond. It's something that really does bond you to that, to that other person and bonds your coven together. You can also use the chalice to do offerings, um, of wine or water or, um, any kind of liquid concoction to gods or goddesses, to spirits and entities. You can use it to bless and consecrate the ground, you know, again, pass it around through your coven. It is just representative of that element of water and it will kind of be the home base for any liquids that you use in your practice. Also, they usually look really pretty, so they're fun to have. <laughs> okay, next, let's talk about... Oh, I had something in my mind. It just left. Let me look at my list. Okay, I remember. I mean, I don't remember. I looked at my list. <laughs> Let's talk about the Book of Shadows or the Grimoire. I'm going to refer to it as the Book of Shadows because that is what I'm more familiar with from my years and years of watching charms. <laughs> but honestly, you know, like we talk about this witches in the media stuff and how it can be like very silly or like very kind of propaganda-y. But there are these real elements that are borrowed all the time. So if you've ever seen Charm, that book that they would pull out that had the answer to everything, it had the spells, it had the rituals, it had whatever demon was terrorizing them that month or that week. It was like a different thing every week where people were just coming for them. It had the good spirits. I, I can't remember if they ever had like angels as a trope in that show. But like the good, you know, didn't Holly Marie Combs page Piper, nope, Piper Prue, Prue, Piper Prue. Ugh, I can't remember. I think I'm forgetting specifically Holly Marine Combs name in the show, but wasn't she married to like an angel or something? I got to go back and watch it. But yeah, the book of shadows was the thing that they were constantly referencing and it's the same for us. It's kind of like the ultimate index glossary, <laughs> how to manual dictionary, just everything that a witch could need. It's all held within this book. And so it's a very, very sacred thing. And then, um, it's, so traditionally the book of shadows or the grimoire is like where all of that is held. And it's in this very traditional sense. And like, this is what you follow. 
But it's also something that has evolved to the point where it's like you will write your own spells and journal in it about your rituals and your magical journey and really make it so intimate and your own. Like whenever I would hear Book of Shadows before I was like really into my witchcraft, I would always think it was like this very, I guess I would kind of relate it to like the Bible a little bit. Like it was this book that was already written and I just had to like, I'm supposed to go with it as opposed to something where I can make my own notes. I could, and I guess people do do that with their Bibles. I don't know. I don't really get down with the Bible like that. I don't, I don't know her, but I may mean, do a little bit, but it's not something that I, I'm, I'm not spending enough time to take notes. Trust me. But, uh, you know, it's something that can be more intimate and more familiar, not just like this be all end all text, but something that you can make your own, that you add your own spells to, that you uh, put your own rituals in, that you take notes of what you're observing and what you're feeling and what your moods are. It's also something that can be, I mean, it is typically passed down through generations. And so it would be something that like your grandmother would have added some spells to. And then your, um, your mom may have added some spells to, or like your great, 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 great grandmother may have put some spells in that you're now using today. So it's something that I don't know. I always had this idea that the Book of Shadows was like this very austere thing, but it's more community than that. It's more approachable than that. And that, that totally might just be me that I had this, I think it's like growing Catholic and having the idea of the Bible and it being this thing you can like almost look, but don't touch the Book of Shadows, the grimoire, you can like get your hands in there. You can touch, you can make it your own. You can improve upon it. You can make changes. You, you can make it personalized. Does that make sense? <laughs> I'm trying to describe it. I hope so. Um, sorry for like these religious tangents, but since we're kind of still talking about objects and I'm still, you know, we just talked about last week and the altar and everything. Uh, it's just running together. All the similarities that we're constantly seeing with everything. But yeah, the book of shadows, uh, it's, it's everything. It, it contains everything. And it's one of, it's the belief is, or that it should be that you can cast a spell over it and that only you are able to open it and access it. So that kind of goes with uh, Hocus Pocus. That might also be kind of your first idea of a book of shadows or a grimoire is that, um, you know, it's the book that had the eye on it. It was Winifred's book and it had, I think it was bound in human skin. <laughs> I'm making that up. Sounds gross. Uh, but you know, she would always be like, book and like call it to her. <laughs> no come flying across the room or whatever. And it was her book. Like she could open it. It belonged to her. It was enchanted. Although it wasn't it like the blood of a virgin could open it and then Max could open it. Am I making that up? Gosh, I need to watch Hocus Pocus like immediately. I think I'm going to do that tomorrow since I'm on my, my Halloween countdown anyway. But yeah, it, it's just this be all end all monster giant of a book. And it's one that you will add your own magic and intentions to and one that you will potentially pass on if not to your children, to another witch, someone that you're mentoring, someone that has come into your life that you're kind of trying to show the witchcraft way. Um, and it can be just for your eyes only. That's totally fine. And be an enchanted book, or you can, you know, be a little more open with it. Up to you. It's your book of shadows. To give you an idea of, <clears throat> there goes my voice, to give you an idea of the range of topics that I can cover. And like, it's certainly not limited. Like we talk about the limitlessness of the universe and of witchcraft and of magic. This might be one of the places where we really see that in like a tangible, actionable way. The Book of Shadows is limitless. Like it can cover anything and everything. So to give you an idea of what it may contain, if you're working on your own, or if you've inherited one, or you want to get your first one, you know, whatever it is. 
there's, I've been saying this a lot this week because I had a lot of emails from people just like starting their witch journey or kind of, you know, trying to find their confidence in it. And I keep being like, listen, there's no wrong way to witch. You're good as long as you're doing it and your intention is pure and you have like a good heart about it. It's okay to be a bad witch, you know, and not really know what you're doing as long as it's coming from a good place and as long as the intention is right. And there's really no wrong way to witch. So your Book of Shadows doesn't have to have all this stuff. It could have way more than all of this stuff. It's totally up to you. It's, again, it's something that is about your magic and something that you're going to add to and improve upon. So you can have spells, magic theory and exercises, sacred texts, magical recipes, herbology, crystal healing, um, crystal um, uh, definitions, crystal uh, descriptions and drawings. You can absolutely have drawings in your grimoire or your book of shadows. It's not limited to just the written word. Um, you'll have maybe your will of the year, the festivals, anything and everything about the moon, <laughs> like moon cycles, moon drawings, moon descriptions, uh, tracking the moon itself where it is currently, <clears throat> cover divination, dream work, um, symbols and sigils, devotionals, um, research, just your own personal thoughts that don't always have to be exactly about witchcraft, but how you feel about the journey you're on, just like representational of you as a person. So yeah, there's no wrong way to witch. Just get to witching. <laughs> Honestly, like it's good. You, you can go, you know, and it's one of those things where like, you don't have to inherit a book of shadows. You don't have to be given a tarot set. You're a big witch and you can strike out into the world and get your own and establish it for yourself and start working with it. And maybe you will have a little witchling or someone to pass it on to, but you can definitely get started with it. It, it doesn't have to be this enormous even though it is this enormous thing, it doesn't have to be this enormous thing, you know, feel comfortable and get started with it because it's really, really a huge witch tool. And it's something that's very, very essential to our practice and something that you want to find yourself getting comfortable with as early as possible. Okay. So I think we're going to stop there for this week and we'll pick up next week with the next five or so that I want to do because as always, I thought I could fit in way more than I could into one episode and that is not the case. And we're, we're just always bumping up on an hour and a half, which I'm not trying to do. I'm trying to get it down to an hour. I don't know how to do that though. And of course we still have to do our beloved crystal of the week because I'm already in this lush, uh, decadent fall mood <laughs> because I'm just refusing to embrace summer any longer. Not that I embraced it in the first place. I wanted our crystal of the week to be something that was luscious and heavy and warm and fiery. And so what better stone for that than the gorgeous ruby? Yes, it's time for one of our fancy gemstones that you know I have an attitude problem because I have aquamarine. No disrespect to aquamarine, but I really wanted my gemstone to be a sapphire, an emerald, a diamond, or a ruby. Oh, you people out there that have rubies, you're so lucky. I'm so jealous of you. But it's okay. You know what? Even though it's not my personal birthstone, I can still rock with it. And I do. You know, we're talking about the thing about the chalices earlier where all throughout history in, in a witch way, but in a non-witch way too, you would see like royalty and the upper echelon of society or socialized or whatever would have their cups, their grand cups and their grand chalices with gold and infused with rubies or diamonds or emeralds. Like I always say, I always like to point stuff like that out because there's something to it. It's no, it's not just that it's expensive and it's glittering and it's beautiful. There's something about the magic and the energy of all of these stones that come from the ground that 
draw us to them as human beings. We are all naturally drawn to magic. Now, if we want to embrace it, that's a conscious decision we kind of have to make. There are tons of witches out there that will be like, nah, I'm good. I'm good just being a normal everyday person. I don't want to get down with this. And they might have little glimpses of it, but you know, that's a good, that's good enough for them. But I just think it's really interesting that we're talking about the idea of a chalice and the chalice was also something that was so important just to people who may or may not have identified as witches and with these specific gemstones that are so important to us as witches. You know, it's just kind of interesting how things tend to sync up all the time. So our beautiful glittering ruby, it is protective. It is vitality. It has this like incredible, warm, just sumptuous, decadent energy to it. It just gives you so much confidence and so much courage. And it really just kind of lights a fire. It, it's such a fiery stone, right? And it really does light a fire in you internally, but also gives you like this glow externally when you have it. I kind of beg for some ruby jewelry for Christmas. Let me mental note because I don't think Christmas list. I mean, I'll probably be buying it for myself, but still though, it is about bringing things to the light. It is an enlightening stone like that red gleam. It can just shine lights on situations and give you different perspective and a perspective that is going to be protective of you. It is a warrior stone. You know, it's like, just this dynamic kind of goddess, warrior, magic stone. I don't know. It's just so brilliant and bright and beautiful. I love it so much. I've always really been into the rubies and the garnets of it all. I think they are amazing. I think they just vibrate on an energy all their own. They give you confidence. They're strengthening. That's a hard word. Strengthening. <laughs> they are passionate. You know, they're really good for um, intimacy and passion and sexuality and coming into your own and being ferocious and being vital and being just alive and well and full of fire and energy and goodness. Oh, I just can't say enough of good, enough of good. <laughs> I just can't say enough good things about our beautiful Ruby. Ruby red is one of the most brilliant colors in the world. It is like when you have a flush in your face, when your body is warm, when you sit around the fire, when you're around the candles, when you're working with like this passionate red, candles that'll be like a tool we cover next week. It's just, it's just vibrating with energy. It is so full and it is so lush and gosh, don't we love rubies? Yeah. I'm going to go, uh, I'm not going to go get a ruby, but I'm going to talk someone into giving me one for Christmas. I mean, probably my mom, we're going to be honest, who like has the most amazing jewelry collection, but she has no rubies. And she and I are going to have a talk about that because I'm trying to like inherit some rubies over here. I don't have rich blood, you know, I can't go spend that much money, but, oh, I might have to, I might have to treat yourself and bring a ruby into this situation. Like, you know, crystals can be very expensive. We've talked about this before. And so to have like a, a real crystal collection going, you're going to put down some big bucks. And then we get into the rubies, emeralds, diamonds, and sapphires of it all. It's like, girl, where am I? Who, according to who? <laughs> but hey, it's also like an investment, right? If I can invest in Louis Vuitton bags, which I do too often, and also, uh, those aren't an investment. I just like keep telling myself that they are. <laughs> they're not really. And I use them all the time. So they're not getting more valuable. I can definitely invest in like a beautiful ruby piece that is not just something that is aesthetically pleasing, but something that really resonates with my heart and my body and my mind and my soul as a witch. So <sighs> it's nice to dream about it, isn't it? Okay. So I think that is it for this week. We will get into our next set of tools next week. Um, the bad witch podcast at gmail.com. If you would like to send me an email, please feel free. 
anytime, any place, anywhere. I'm happy to talk to you to answer your questions. Um, there have been in the Facebook group, which by the way, again, search bad witch, but the link is also down below. The answer to the question is the craft. I almost said the coven again. Why is that in my head? Where did I get that from? I don't know. Uh, there's been a lot of discussions in there about books that you would recommend. Here's the thing. People, I get this question all the time. I don't really have any because I am mostly, mostly, not most, mostly self-taught. That's not true. I am self-taught to an extent. And then a lot of my knowledge comes from like mentorship with other witches. And then more so like getting into articles and stumbling across things on the internet as opposed to like sitting down with a book. I have ADD. Uh, and so it's very hard for me to sit with a book. Remember when I said I was an English literature major? <laughs> What's wrong with me? Um, it takes a lot of concentration, a lot of focus on my part. And especially when it's something I'm really eager about, I can't, I don't have the patience to like sit through page to page to page to page. I'm the kind of person that I'll like look up spoilers because I just have to know. I can't wait it out. And I'm like, okay, cool. I can just see how the story unfolds. That's fine. But I'll look at the end. So I don't have any recommendations for which books. I'm going to be totally honest and transparent about that. But there always are in the Facebook group. So if that's something you've been really curious about, please come and join us. I may actually just make a master post where we can just continuously drop them down there because it's something that I get asked multiple times a week. And I just, I don't really have any book recommendations to be honest, but there are some gorgeous ones in the group. Uh, ones I'm actually considering picking up for myself for like my next flight, because when I'm on an airplane, I, I have to read. That's like the time I can get my mind to do it. Unless I'm going to watch, um, a simple favor seven times back to back. <laughs> which I have done. Turns out it's a pretty good movie, even though I'm not crazy about the stars. Uh, anyway, so the Bowage Podcast at gmail.com, Bowage Facebook group. And then if you'd like to join Patreon where you get your shout outs, you get bonus episodes, you get witchy mail at certain levels, you get readings. Um, it is patreon.com slash bad witch. Okay. Under an hour 30. Oh, we did it. Until next time. I love you all. You deserve good. I'm proud of you. You're all doing amazing on your witch journey. Don't doubt yourself. It's okay to have questions. It's okay to, I don't want to say have concerns, but it's okay to be cautious about what you're dipping your toes in, your fingies in at first. You know, you don't have to dive all the way in, but you know, don't doubt yourself. Believe in your magic, believe in yourself. You're beautiful, magical babies. And I love you all so much. And you're the best part of my week. And I can't wait to talk to you next week and the week after and the week after and the week after. Hi, you're in the coven now. You can't get rid of me. <laughs> okay, I love you all. You deserve so, so, so much good. I cannot even tell you. I am wishing you all well until next week, until we talk. Please reach out to me. You can DM me, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Facebook and DM is the same thing, I think. <laughs> Email me. And we will talk soon. All right, blessed be, blessed be my loves, and goodbye.